Do-do-do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Rendition Pod. All right, so it's spooky season, and we're going to be talking about Coraline. Yeah, everybody's everybody's creepy little girl. Actually, she wasn't creepy. It was more the parallel universe that she ended up in. Um, so this is the story of a bored little girl that uh, finds her way down a hallway, Alice in Wonderland style, into this alternate dimension where everything is as she wants it to be with her other mother. Oh, it's an isekai. Yes. Ah, look at you using words. I love it. Uh, but yes, it is. Uh, and so, uh, but then she finds uh, the dark price uh, that is being asked to pay uh, to stay in this wonderful fantasy land, um, overcoming trials and tribulations uh, to conquer the other mother and get back to her family. Um, so, you know, she's the final girl, even though she was the only girl. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a really good book by Neil Gaiman. It's a really great. Oh, it's Neil Gaiman. Neil Gaiman. I see. I see. I've mispronounced it all these years. I apologize for the previous podcast we did about Stardust, where we mispronounced his name for a solid 45 minutes. So I apologize for nothing. (laughs) I would expect nothing less, darling. Um, So, um, yeah. So I don't know. This is uh, this movie came out in like 2009. It was uh, Henry Selznick's first like being able, like his own project, uh, which he was very excited about. Um, it took two years of pre-production and 18 months of actual production um, with an insane amount of props and everything else. Um, it's, it's it, it does not surprise. I mean, yeah. Leica is like the, the studio for stop motion. Yeah. Uh, like no one else compares. Yeah. And they literally, I mean, they literally wove her little sweaters. Yeah, with tiny needles that were the size of like hairs, you know, like yeah. She'd... So I mean, every every detail is seen too. It's insane. Um, but Jude, Jude, my dude, what uh, what's up with that movie? Like, what? I thought we were gonna talk about Dune. Oh shit! <laughs> well, <laughs> well, uh, first of all, a warm felicitations, Ash, <laughs> and and to you. <laughs> How many episodes? I hear your little bow, but you can't see it because it's a podcast. <laughs> How many episodes have been recorded without me? I think just one. Yeah. All right, I still get paid for it. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> so the two cents you get we'll from Spotify. Your, yeah, thank we'll cut you. your, your zero dollar <laughs> remittance check. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a personal connection to this movie. Oh yeah. Okay. Because I've seen it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. But. What time? What year did this movie come out? 2009. 2009? Yeah. Okay. 2009 is like mm. the 1999 of 2021. <laughs> it is. It yes. is. Yeah. Um, so. When I lived in Bloomington, mm-hmm. when I first moved down there, I needed a job. So I looked at the Indiana University classifieds. Mm-hmm. And there are lots of wacky job postings on there. Uh, well, there are lots of normal job postings on there, like be an admin assistant at the office of classroom buildings. Okay. Or in my case, this kooky old retired professor named Mr. Chrome. I think his name was Henry. I think his name was Henry Chrome. Interesting. He posted okay. an ad and he was like, I need help cleaning my house mm-hmm. and organizing things mm-hmm. and taking care of my animals. Okay. It's like, it's 20 bucks. Like a great gig. Yeah. Already. Like 20 bucks an hour. Oh, wow. And this was okay. like 2012. Yeah. So that, yeah. 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 Um, actually, my girlfriend at the time found this ad and wrote me into it. Okay. Um, because she was like, 
listen here, you fucking loser. You need to go make some money. Okay, you can't just be fucking wasted all the time. And I was like, okay. All right. Um, <laughs> okay. So then, like, basically over the course of a year, pretty much, mm-hmm. uh, we get to know Mr. Chrome and his weird, creepy, gross old house. Okay, okay. Uh, it's like a it's like a classic suburban split-level home, mm-hmm. um, and it's just packed to the brim with shit. And his thing would be like, okay, I need a tire patch kit so I can take my Vita Beetle to the BMV today, which mm-hmm. was terrifying because he was like 89 <laughs> years old. Like on the edge of renal failure at any moment, he was extremely <laughs> okay. decrepit. He was extremely decrepit, but also unfortunately, like his mind had not begun to go, so he ah. was completely present for the ah. complete deterioration of his physical being, mm. which is scary. That is, yeah, I yes. don't know which is That's worse. Maybe actually. more yeah. more scary than the subject matter we're about to dive into. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Um. So, and what what he meant by animals was like a. A bunch of hamsters. Oh, he had okay. a bunch of he had a bunch of hamsters, and okay. I don't know how he ever took care of them. Like, from like in the two weeks between when we would go there, mm-hmm. I don't know what what happened to them. Okay, but we'd get there and like change out the bedding and yeah. give them food and water and everything, and they seemed happy. They had this like huge enclosure, so okay, I'm sure they knew what was going on. Um, but he would mostly just ask us to find things, describe them to us. And then we'd go find them because he'd, he'd always be, it'd always be like old dude shit that I didn't okay. know what he was talking about ever. Okay. I'd always be like, what is I can't this? really remember. I can't even remember some of the things he wanted us to go look for, but okay. yeah. And we would kind of like clean his floors and try and like get rid of rotting food and stuff in between. But he was yeah. very particular about us just finding the things that he wanted. Okay. Very weird kind of Coraline-esque task, like climbing okay. on top of like old furniture <laughs> and like rooting around. In his like dangerous garage, looking and, for this shit. And had you seen Coraline at this point? Or? Um, yes, I had. Okay. Yes, I had. Okay. So there was one day I went there by myself, mm-hmm. um, and usually I had to knock on his door because he kept. No, his name is Nick. His name is Nick Chrome, by the okay. way. Okay. So I usually had to knock on his door, and he would come. He would like stick his head out a window first and be like, you know, check me out, and then come let me in. Okay. But the door was just open this day. Oh. And I was like, oh. Oh okay. no. Oh no. I was like, oh god. And I was like, Mr. Chrome. Mr. Chrome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And no one answered. Um, first of all, there was a like 80 gallon bucket or like a 10 gallon bucket. Okay. Of deer charnel <laughs> on his back patio because I went around to the back patio because the front door was open. And that's okay. like, I'm, I'm no dummy. I'm not walking in. Like, no. so I went around, to, I went around <laughs> through the back, through the back door. Right. Okay. And there's like two deer hooves sticking up out of a 10 gallon bucket. The fuck? Yeah. So I was like, uh, what the fuck? <laughs> okay. So I get into his house through the back door, which I think was just always open. Yeah. Um, I get no response. And I'm like, oh, this bitch is dead. Mm. This motherfucker is dead. Uh-huh. Or something weird <laughs> happened. What the fuck? Okay. Um, I go up to his room and yeah. I look in there and he's laying under the covers, completely still and lifeless with the blankets pulled up to his head. Okay. And I'm like, Mr. Chrome. <laughs> so I creep over there and... Right as I'm about to like reach out and touch him, he's like, good morning, and just completely scared the shit out of me, right? Like, totally, he was completely just fucking with me. He was totally just giving me a hard time. Oh, my God. Okay. Um, but then he ended up actually being sort of like cranky and kind of like not like himself that day. Yeah. Especially when I was asking questions about the deer thing, which he said it was, he wanted to make a gun rack out of the hooves, which is, I guess, an old dude thing. So he had it scooped up off the side of the road by some other young man he had doing weird type work for him. It was like an Andre Breton, like surrealist mafia this guy was running. Just, uh, (laughs) um, 
this guy is like certified Midwest cryptid. Oh no, for sure, for sure. So then I ended up calling his daughter because I was like, he's. I think he might need to go to the hospital because of like a kidney or liver thing because he like is showing some symptoms of that. And she was like, okay, fine. But just so you know, I don't really want to hear about him. I don't really talk to him. I try to like leave him alone. Oh, okay. Um, okay. So I got I got her name this way. Yeah. Um, and uh, it turns out that uh, she worked on some of the miniatures on Coraline. Oh, <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. God damn, that was a long and winding tale. In addition tale. to your very, in addition to the very creepy story, uh, I liked. I really liked little tie there at the end. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I thought you were gonna say her name was Coraline, and like. Uh, oh no, there was, was like it was legit. I was like, okay. I wasn't fucking around. <laughs> yeah, I talked to somebody who made some of those little sweaters on Coraline. No, actually, I think she was like the designer of those things. Yeah, I, I don't think she was like a. Oh, okay. I don't think she made them, but I think she like okay. engineered the yeah, those process th- or whatever. Those things were insane because like there was twenty eight different sizes of actual Coralines, and then mm-hmm. they all had like separate jaw pieces uh, that mm-hmm. would unhinge for each of the expressions. Yeah, um, and it was bananas and bananas. But yeah, yeah. Anyway. On Kubo, on Kubo, they went even crazier and printed like a hundred different faces for mm-hmm. his expressions. It's Leica yeah. is crazy. Yeah. Leica is crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, in the best way, in yeah. the absolute best way. Oh yeah, yeah. Kubo, Kubo was really good. I yeah. really like Coraline. Mm-hmm. Um, Coraline is, you know, it's a children's movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of dumb <laughs> because children are dumb. <laughs> um, so watching it, I'm kind of like, I'm not stimulated enough by this. Uh, this is clearly for children. Uh-huh. My my adult brain is, uh, you know, oh, kind of racing ahead of the movie. I see. I see. You know. I see. Yes. Um, yeah. it was like ten minutes in, and I was like, I know how this ends. You know, just kidding. I don't think that's that's not the case with Coraline at uh, all. I mean, I was about to say, like, I think you can pretty much tell that the other mother is no bueno. But yeah, um, I mean, I think, but also, well, you know, I think the way that you get back to her being cool with her family is kind of novel. Yeah, right. Like, because yeah. uh, nothing really changed. Like, they don't do a like complete lighting change at the very end where they're like, oh, everything actually is a lot better now. Yeah. It's actually just like, oh, she can learn to appreciate like the little things that her parents do. And like, I don't know. I think it's really interesting, like how rundown they make her parents look. And it's like, oh, they're just, they're trying so fucking hard. They moved down in the middle of nowhere to this yeah. weird ass house in a duplex. Yeah. Of course they're worn out. Yeah. Like, I don't know. But, um, but yeah, so they're just, they're just doing it. And, yeah. But, uh, um, I mean, it's, it's beautiful. I think it's like my favorite Leica movie. Oh, really? I really like the scene where it's like, where like other dad is driving the tractor around the pumpkin patch. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably the most memorable. I know my little sister really liked this movie when she was a kid. So I like mm-hmm. it for that reason. Right. Um, mm-hmm. uh, first of all, smash or pass other mom. <laughs> um, let's see. Pass. I like I, mean, I like I like regular mom. I mean, I'll, yeah. yeah I, I'm gonna have to stay on brand and say smash. Yes. <laughs> okay. Get out. Um, I don't really know a lot about this movie. Um, mm. I've seen it plenty of times. Yeah. Um, and it's good. What's What's my take on it? Yeah. I, don't um, I like the fact that it's it kind of doesn't reveal her adventure necessarily to her parents by the end, mm-hmm. which is fun. I always like that with like a kids' adventure movie when it just you know. Just, I feel like that's relatable, like having these like, kind of private adventures as a child that you can't mm-hmm. relate to adults. Yeah. Or maybe even fully express, because I mm-hmm. think like so many movies that and just media in general that take place in this time period in life have to do with like the transition between being a selfish, self-centered child and opening your eyes up to the, the wider world 
mm-hmm. of adulthood and responsibilities and caring about other people. And I think that that is kind of a, it's simultaneously a private journey, but it's also kind of unspeakable in that, at that age, especially. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, Ash, are you an only child? <laughs> no, 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 no. I have many siblings. Oh, okay. I'm the eldest though. Okay. Yeah. Um, I feel like I can, I was an only child for a little bit, so I feel like I can kind of relate to, mm-hmm. um, Coraline, but especially there's like this, you know, she, they had, they have to move out there and I think she's kind of upset with her parents about that. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is a classic kids movie trope. Oh, thing, yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I think kind of the, like the, the manifestation of like other mom is kind of like her kind of grappling with the possibility that sometimes you're, you're what you're wondering, like, can I trust my parents to do what they're doing in my best interest or are they going to hurt me by accident or on purpose? Mm. Worst case scenario is on purpose, right? Which mm-hmm. is like mm-hmm. other mom, which is like a fear you have to contend with at some point. I yeah. feel like, especially if you're an only child and you're kind of isolated and you realize that like you, when you become aware that you like rely on these people completely, like yeah. that's sort of scary. Mm. So I think it's kind of well, like I think, uh, uh, the movie. I think the mo- one thing the movie plays up a little bit compared to the book is her, her parents seem kind of ambivalent toward her. Like they're not like a lot of movie parents where they're like, Oh, you know, darling, let us drop everything and do what mm-hmm. you want to do and entertain you. Like they're mm-hmm. wrapped up in their own narrative. Yeah. And she is, you know, you know, too young to realize like, you know, they're not necessarily ignoring her or, or, or playing yeah. her off or disregarding her. Yeah. They're just kind of burnt out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like yeah. working hard. They just move. They got a lot going on in their life, but they are thinking about her and you know, they are making, they, yeah. I mean, they the real plan on making time for her. The real protagonists of the film are these parents that have to deal with like a theater kid. <laughs> <laughs> and a mortgage. And yeah. a mortgage. Um, but also I think, um, I think like, yeah, I, I guess like saying like, it's funny, like I have a lot of siblings, but, um, None of them were born until I was like mm-hmm. five and a half, six years old. Right. So, right. you know, it was quite a few years until I actually had a playmate. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. I did in a weird way go through a lot of the things that some older, ch- older children go through where I, I had spent a lot of time entertaining myself mm-hmm. and just like in my, yeah, in my own time, in my own space. Uh, not a lot yeah. of, there wasn't a lot of other kids around um, where I grew up. I kind of grew up in this part of the city where it was just like all old people. <laughs> right. So wasn't a lot of kids to play with. Um, so yeah, definitely I, I see myself in characters like Coraline for sure. Right. Just slowly begin describing the plot of Coraline as the first part of your childhood. <laughs> actually, actually, but it's kind of interesting. Uh, like, so you're pushed uh, to boredom and frustration with uh, current settings uh, and, you know, go seek something out. Uh, and then you find what seems to be a better version of well, what you have. And you're like, oh, OK, there's familiarity. There's the structure that I've been looking for. But there's also like more of these elements that I really want and it's everything that I want. Um, And then, I don't know, it's, I love the trope of being given everything you want, but the price is always much more than you're willing to pay or like, it's just, it's just, it's never up front. I don't know. Uh, I think that's pretty, I don't know. I think that's pretty relatable. It's just like, cause everything has a price. Everything has I, a price. I can't remember in the I can't remember in the movie, but in the book it's also pretty explicit about the fact that like once the, the bedlam or the other mother gets her way, like 
Yeah. She does forget about the kids. Like she does do exactly what yeah. what you were just saying. Yeah. Like yeah. she she does abandon them ultimately, which I think is. I had never thought about that being one of like the main fears that Coraline seems to have, but definitely, yeah, it's just like being forgotten um, or just being ignored like, when she. It makes it seem like she's the center of the world, but you know, in actuality, this is all just a. Yeah. So it's kind of like it's kind of like her uh, letting go of her fear of being left alone and knowing that she can she can handle herself if she is left alone or like, you know, that the people she loves will come back. But um, uh, which <laughs> a way to play on some psychological stuff, Mr. Gaiman, um, Gaiman. Um, but I don't know. I don't actually know if that's how you pronounce the last name. I know. I know. <laughs> I'm just playing that. into it because um, why not? Um, yeah. Also, I think it's, it's actually pronounced the G's silent. It's actually Gaiman. I think it's also it's also like painful when your parents like aren't interested in you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, when they're like kind of the only people you really know mm-hmm. and. You can tell they're like brushing you off. I did because like, they're like, uh huh, yeah, okay, that's cool, right? I, I did like the addition of Welby in the movie. Like, I thought that yeah. was, I thought that was cool because, like, in the book, like she's she's hanging out by herself, like she's talking to herself. She's not, um, and so like <laughs> listening to Coral uh, Coraline like monologue to herself for hours or for a while is just maybe not the best. But um, but there was a tie into the book because uh, the family that lived in Coraline's unit before. She moved in. Their last name was Lovett. So, um, like, he was at technically mm. in the book. Um, but, you know, he could just be a ghost. It's very, very, very far in the background. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love the trope, uh, by the way, of a cat being an interdimensional, like, trickster being that just kind of shows up and does whatever the fuck it wants. Like, that's... Yeah. I think it also, it plays into the it plays into the Alice in Wonderland kind of aspect yeah. also really well. Yeah, having a, like, following mentor uh, animal character. Um, Dinah doesn't really help in Alice in Wonderland. Fuck that cat, but... Um, uh, I was thinking more of the Cheshire cat. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Um, more, more than one cat. <laughs> All the cats. Um, Wait, is, isn't Alice in Wonderland about like mm. not like an underage math student that Lewis Carroll wanted to bang? Yes, it's about a lot of things. It's about a lot of things. Okay, um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was written for her. It wasn't a. Um, so I wouldn't say it was about wanting to fuck the underage child. Uh, it was is more about. It was more like. I mean, honestly, I think like things written before know, a certain year, um, like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. only only because I just don't want to go into entire Lewis Carroll. Um, Absolutely not. Do you know a lot about Lewis Carroll? I I do know quite a bit, so we'll save that for another episode. Okay, we welcome everyone to part two of our episode <laughs> on Coraline, where Ash will be talking to us about the. Uh, Carol-esque <laughs> themes running through this movie. Our producer's shaking uh, his head. I don't think we have time for it. Nope. In our five-part series <laughs> on Coraline. He's like, we got another pod to record after this. Please, no. Um, Season three is called Things No One Asked For. <laughs> uh, yes, actually. But, okay, so what was this little tidbit you were going to teaser us with on your Lewis Carroll dissertation? Oh, just that, just that um, he was a mathematics professor who... Mm-hmm was really frustrated with some aspects of new math, um, which works its way into the, into the story, but also um, mm-hmm. he did have a quote-unquote friendship with mm-hmm. a family next door that had a couple daughters, and he was seemingly fixated on uh, Alice and Lindell in particular. Mm-hmm. And oh, God, okay, so I didn't it, just make that up. That's okay. a brief, 
that's oh. the brief. Yeah, no, I thought you didn't. I thought you knew that. Uh, yeah, it was like Edgar Allan Poe and um, Annabelle. Um, and yeah, but, but that was okay because he's cool. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> anyway, so uh, Neil Gaiman uh, did not uh, know a little girl that he was fascinated with and wrote an adventure story for her I mean, to time seduce will, her. Time, time Actually, okay, so this is this is a great this is a great moment to segue into a thought that I've been saving for the entire episode, but I need to I need to say it now. Uh, so Neil Neil Gaiman uh, writes like really great like parallel universe stories in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you've got like American Gods, you've got nope. Neverwhere, mm-hmm. you've got um, Mirror Mask, which is very similar to this story. Um, Technically, Stardust is also parallel world. Stardust is kind of a, but they're more aware of the parallel world versus yeah. like in the other ones I was mentioning, it's more of a secret other world. Yes. Um, but like yeah, like Mirror Mask is so much the same kind of plot as Coraline, where it's like young girl uh, is reaching an age where she's kind of like, she's older, so it's a slightly older coming of age story, but it's like she's kind of resenting her parents and the life that they've chosen for her in a way. Um, And she escapes to a parallel world with with an other mother who's obsessed with her and wants to keep her and wants to simultaneously change her into a version, you know, the price is too high. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then she defeats the evil other mother and comes back uh, and learns to appreciate her family. So uh, I, I would say like, this is kind of his bread and butter kind of story. And yeah. he writes it so well. He really does. He really does. But like, I don't know the changing of themes, uh, the addition of some of his horror elements, he does creepy elements really well. Like I, I really, I, I kind of forget well, that <clears throat> sometimes, but um, this is one of his darker stories and it's written for children. So I think that's kind of funny. Definitely, like there were, I was listening yeah, to it pretty scary. late last night and I was like, there's like some really, really dark, like really kind of scary moments. I was getting chills. You yeah, know? right. Like the other mother like looming over it and it's like, yes. Oh, there was one moment where the other mother, like, touched her hair, Mm -hmm. and Coraline says, like, don't touch me, like, directly to her, and I was just like, I love an assertive little, uh... Assertive little person that knows. But I was also, like, so so creeped out by the the way he described the moment. I was like, oh, gross. Um, But, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. The book uh, the book is so good and so weird. I read it when I was younger and I got severely creeped out and I was one of those kids that would try to like read horror stories and then creep myself out and then, <laughs> you know, cause problems for all of my family when I would wake up screaming. Um, but I did it anyway. Yay. Um, so, uh, so I loved Coraline. Um, I think that might've been my first Neil Gaiman book. And then, um, I think I skipped out on, uh, doing a research paper for, to graduate high school so I could go see Coraline because (laughs) procrastination. Um, uh, but I always, also also, listeners, it's just high school, you know, no big deal, (laughs) you know. Um, what? Oh, that was a weird year, but uh, 2009. But um, actually, Just full so, disclaimer: this podcast is not intended for high school students. No, <laughs> I don't know who it's intended for. We'll figure out the demographic later. What's their target market? Uh, I don't know. Demographic. I don't know the people we love um, uh, that listen. So I guess, to us. Uh, right? I guess um, uh, Neil Gaiman has said that he showed this to his publisher, mm-hmm. and they were like, "No way, dude! This is too scary." And he was like, well, just get like an actual kid to read it. And apparently mm. the publisher, like his agent, maybe, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't remember the details exactly, but 
his, I think uh, his agent gave it to their kid and the kid read it and was like, yeah, you have to publish this. It's great. And, uh, <laughs> no, I wasn't scared at all. And then, and then later Neil Gaiman was talking to the kid and was like, Oh, like, you know, thank you for getting, you know, helping me with this. And the kid was like, Oh yeah, I lied to my dad. I was totally freaked out, but I just like had to know what happened next. So. I loved it. So. Oh, that's um, fun. Oh, my I think, I think a thing that adults do tend to forget is kids do like to be scared a little bit. It helps them like practice fear. Mm. It helps them practice the, like the experiencing the emotion of fear and kids do get like a kick out of it. They really do. Um, they, they really do actually in a, you know, in a safe way. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Obviously don't abuse. Like, children, I remember but... being like when I was like five watching labyrinth scared me, you uh, know, like yeah. the bar is pretty low for what's scary. But... <laughs> I mean, labyrinth was creepy. Um, but also the same thing happened with Sesame street. Like, um, Jim Henson was like, hey, I've got this idea for a show. Look at these monster puppets. Let's teach them how to read. And uh, the studios were like, no, this is going to fucking creep them out. What's wrong with you? Uh, no, I'm, gonna cor- I'm actually going to correct you. Oh, in really? That, uh, in that Jim Henson's Muppets started out as adult intended entertainment. And no. eventually. Uh, I wasn't talking about yeah. the Muppets. I said Sesame Street. Oh, well, I thought you were talking about... Okay, anyway. No, no, no. We won't go on Jim Henson rant today. No, okay. I do love that one. But uh, no, Sesame Street. Uh, But um, because they were like, what the fuck? And then they did, they showed it to... Is, uh, like some kids like in an audience uh, like a test audience and they were like yay I love colorful monsters and it's like what the fuck kids um, yeah but- well this is the, this was kind of the opposite and the, the kid actually was scared but just was like nah I'm gonna <laughs> see the solid I need to know how the story finishes bottom line kids are fucking weird uh, and they're lovely but they're weird um, but um, was like, yeah also I was really excited about the movie because um, like Henry Sels- or, yeah, Henry Selznick like he worked on Nightmare Before Christmas. Like this was like his. Oh yeah. Like he's he's kind of the uh, he's kind of the Henson of stop animation. Like in a lot of ways, like that was his shit. He's been very obsessed with it. He does. He definitely hasn't been as prolific, but um, like he worked on uh, like some of his early animation stuff was in Disney uh, with like Fox and the Hound and things like that. Um, and like I was reading about, I was kind of curious, like where did stop animation come from? Which was kind of, I don't know. I went down a rabbit hole a little bit. Um, and uh, so it's, uh, it was a product of like uh, photography trying to figure out how to like in the early days of photography, they went bananas trying to like come up with you know stenoscopes and visoscopes and like insane different ways to like produce images and eventually they figured out if they just like moved a little at a time they made it happen um but like that's how i mean like physically that's how a lot of um like early effects are done you mm -hmm. know you just like physically would take each still image and then like physically cut it out with an exacto knife Mm -hmm. and then paste it to the cell um on the film that you wanted to like add that effect in and what is that if not like just an early form of animation? Exactly. And so, like, I don't know. Like, most of the tw- uh, films in the twenties that had been lost were were based. Uh, most of the effects were done with stop animation, as like, and <laughs> back then they were very much like old magicians in that they were like, nope, we're not going to share our tricks. None of you will ever know. Mm. And uh, so all that was lost. Um, but I don't know. It's still developed over the years, and and then and then and then it's finally distilled into Leica where they take thousands and thousands of pieces of popcorn and they paint them pink and then they cut them into little pieces to form leaves in a garden. Oh, that's uh, cool. Right? You know, fucking weird. Um, yeah, in Kubo, in Kubo, the um, 
there's a scene where uh, the character's running toward the camera and the individual grains of sand are being animated um, all physically, like not done in post. God damn, that's yeah. And they use this um, they use this really amazing animation program. Um, that actually, really isn't even that expensive, but they use this like crazy camera rig setup. Mm-hmm. So you like pre-program the cameras, and they move. Basically, you take a shot, and then the camera automatically moves to the next shot um, while you reposition the um, uh... while you reposition the puppets. Uh, see, so okay. They use, I mean, like they, they are, like I said before, like they are like the, the, the studio. studio for, for yeah. stop motion. Yeah. Although it is funny, like, uh, one of the first movies, stop motion movies done it with a digital was Corpse Bride rather than, uh, that is unsurprising. No. Um, but cause that was just around that era where things were moving over from film to digital. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a good time. But anyway, um, so yeah, Coraline, y'all, it's a good, creepy, cute fucking movie. Um, and it's an and it's a good, creepy, great book. I mean, there are some changes, but over overall, I would say even minute details like her star sweater are taken directly from the book. Mm-hmm. So I think the places where they did choose to make changes were mm-hmm. just fine in the film, and overall, they have like the same spirit. Oh, so oh. this is a case where I would say uh, both are great examples of their genre, and check out either one. Oh, one of my favorite, like, or both. Yeah, one of my favorite additions to the movie is uh, the little like uh, nods to the fact that Mrs. or Miss uh, Miss Forcible and Miss Fink um, are uh, burlesque dancers, are like burlesque mm-hmm. uh, actresses. Uh, King Lear, uh, L E E R, and Julius sees her. Um, but, <laughs> which <laughs> made me really happy. I was like, ha ha. But anyway, all right. So it's good. It's creepy. It's adorable. Uh, thanks. Uh, thanks for coming in. Thanks for listening, babes. Um, wait, wait, wait. What? Okay. Yeah. Why hasn't the while my guitar gently weeps mm. version by Regina Spector yeah. from Kubo yeah. been used in like snotty fashion TikToks yet? I don't bring that into the world. Why would you do that? It's a beautiful song. It's a, oh, Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful day and it's a beautiful song. And now you've wished that upon us. (laughs) I can't, I can't wait to see like the 18 year old child of like some CIA agents Mm. wearing like just the most fucked up shit you've ever seen. Yeah. Like doing like that five outfit transition thing, but set to, set to that song. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I would accept a like cosplay uh, lip sync, you know. I, I would accept that, but um, yeah. But no, or one of the really cool like um, <laughs> lady uh, guitarists that are usually yeah. on TikTok mm-hmm. uh, that will. Uh, I'd accept that. Somebody playing like an actual actual version. Like, yeah. Actually. Yeah. yeah. What's the instrument? What's the name of the instrument in that thing? A saw? A C? Uh, a saw? I don't know. <laughs> Oh, okay. I'm, now I you're just yeah. saying Dr. Seuss words. Okay. I don't know. Well, anyways, um, thank you, everyone. <laughs> also, the reason we covered Coraline today is because we are happy to announce the launch of our Kickstarter to fund <laughs> our... Uh, we want to make a musical of Coraline. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think there's already one on Broadway, though. <laughs> We want to make a second musical. <laughs> yeah. We want to make a Young third. Young Coraline. 
Uh, so you'll see that link. It's about when she's a baby. <laughs> Young Coraline when Coraline, she was a baby. Coraline 2. Yeah. Uh, just, she goes back. Uh. Um, oh, God. I just wish that on the world, too. Anyway, okay. Um, um, no, just kidding. Um, but please tune into our sister podcast called mm-hmm. Darkville, which oh, is I- about a studio of um, forgotten animators that have all been working on the same film for 40 years <laughs> i thought you were gonna say I'd things nobody else. i actually would uh, yeah 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 i was gonna say and our, and our, and our sister sister podcast yeah things nobody asked for things nobody yeah, asked yeah, for yeah <laughs> all right thanks y'all have wait a good wait, wait we, have, we have we have to sign off uh, okay all right yeah hi bye everybody my name's elise thanks for tuning in we love you bye bye, bye. <laughs>